Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Mr. Jason Griggs. He is a real estate investor slash agent slash entrepreneur and business and real estate coach as well, hailing out of Long Island with some mutual friends such as Raging Ally, Quinta, Algerman, the Funkmaster Sterling, and of course, the machine himself, Marab the Wallace Willie. Uh, we've touched base. I've been watching this guy on social media for a while now. I was introduced to him through the Call Me Al podcast with Raging Ally Kinta and just been watching him st- his stuff and following him along on some of his other interviews and just a good guy. You know, I, I love the the common work ethic and just the like he was talking about the loyalty and the hard work that comes over from guys that are just part of that pack in Long Island. So it was nice to have a conversation with him and talk with him a little bit and make me feel like I was back home again, even though neither one of us are currently on Long Island. That was really good to talk. So. It's been long overdue to catch up with this fine gentleman and talk a little bit about business and mindset and MMA and just dedication and tenacity of what it takes to be successful. He is a very seasoned investor as far as the Airbnb stuff goes. And a lot of people are looking at things there for regulations and licensing and all kinds of different stuff of how do you protect yourself against the adjustments? What happens if they outlaw Airbnbs? So we touched on a lot of the ins and outs of why Airbnbs make sense, what types of finance you can get for them, some things you need to look into for the markets, some things you need to look at for some possible risks or violations or restrictions, and how that could actually be a good thing if the city has specific restrictions in Airbnb. We talked about how he went from going from a kindergarten teacher and lacrosse coach from Long Island all the way out to Vegas and eventually got into his first condo, which turned into an investing career that he has sunk profits back into to pay down that principal and put himself in a recession-proof, comfortable financial spot where he's getting paid downs, depreciation, and of course, in Las Vegas surrounding markets. He has gotten a ton of appreciation and it's sitting pretty right now in his real estate game and gets to hang out and do amazing things like go to the UFC Apex with some of the biggest, brightest stars in entertainment, sports, and athletics. And that's just an amazing thing to watch. So on top of what he's put in, we do talk about the discipline that it took him to get there and why some people will never hit that. So I really enjoyed this conversation. It flew by. I've been waiting to talk to him for a long time and I hear nothing but good things about him. And he rose to the occasion. It did not disappoint us. We had a fantastic conversation with the guy that I now feel like I've known for a very long time. So any friend of the two Al's and Rob is a friend of myself and now a friend of the A-Game podcast. So definitely check him out. Check out the show notes for all the ways to connect with him and definitely check out the links for his course. We're going to try and do a sponsorship here for him as well. So if you look under the tab on nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see under affiliates a link to directly get involved with Jason's grit, Jason Greg. You will see a link to directly get involved with Jason Griggs' Airbnb investor course. So definitely check that out. Tell them that the A-Game Podcast sent you over. While you are there, please connect with us on social media. We have all the ways to follow me from Instagram to YouTube to TikTok to Facebook to our Facebook group that if you are a part of, you can ask me any questions, request guests, request analysis, anything you want. That's the best way to get me. So if I don't answer you directly on that, I can get an expert on to answer your questions on this show. And please, again, I cannot say enough. We have amazing guests on here that share tons and tons of insight and experience and knowledge and tips and tricks for you guys for absolutely free. The way that you can pay that tuition and pay them back and keep them coming on is by liking and sharing the post when we post the content from this episode. A little fist bump, a little A-OK, tag a friend, share some stuff. It goes such a long way. Please just take a moment to do it when we share the clips from this episode as well as many others. While you're there, definitely check out the affiliates as far as Nationwide Business Capital Group for all your funding needs. If you would like some VAs, you can contact Reva Global, Zachary Babcock, and of course, Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Promo code AGAME gets you 20% off. Last but certainly not least, if you would like a free checklist on the ways to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate agent, wholesaler, or broker, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets. My goal is always to do real estate. So if you would like to talk about doing real estate deals together, whether it's your first deal or your next deal, you're new, you're experienced, you're looking to level up, you want residential, single family, commercial, whatever it might be, all you have to do is text me directly, 516 
540-5733, text me the word real estate, and we can start the conversation whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner together on some deals. That is the way to do that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for my Long Island brother, Jason Griggs, coming on now and talking about how he's dominating the Las Vegas real estate market. It did not disappoint. Check it out. Check out the show. Follow him. Shout out to Marab, Ray Longo, Matt Serra, and Ally Aquinta, and of course, Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling, who will be defending his UFC bantamweight title in Abu Dhabi. Go get him, Aljo. Go get him, everybody. Follow Jason Griggs. Have a great day. All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast, fighting out of Las Vegas by way of Long <laughs> Island, New York, my fellow New Yorker and Paisan. He is a former kindergarten teacher and lacrosse coach turned real estate agent into Airbnb super king of the surrounding Las Vegas area. He is a friend of mutual friends, MMA stars, Aljamain the Funk Master Sterling, Rob the Wallace Willie, and of course, Raging Ally Aquinta. And we are happy to have you on the podcast today, Mr. Jason Griggs. Nick, thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, this is a long time coming, right? Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Awesome, dude. So, yeah, talking about people who aren't familiar with you 100% yet, I know I gave a little bit of a teaser of your background, but talk a little, little bit about the transition from coming from Long Island, New York, and where you were to where you are today. Yeah, so, man, it's crazy. I've been here 12 years now, and it just went, it went like that. I was going to grad school at Adelphi in Long Island, and I was like, you know what? It's time for a change. And I was visiting my friend who was going to UNLV, my best friend growing up. And he's like, dude, you should move here. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's do it. So I moved out here by myself. And I became, I was, a, I had a master's degree in teaching. I was a phys ed teacher, kind of like Weidman, right? Weidman <laughs> was a teacher, a phys ed teacher. And um, I just didn't love it. Like, you know, there, there was the ceiling for teachers is only so high. And so I just got out here and, uh, Eventually, I got into real estate, and it's been amazing. That's awesome, man. So I, a couple of things there. Again, I, I'm a big believer in you can look at patterns of people. And one of the things that I see more and more successful people that I talk to do is they make those decisions to almost, I don't want to say leave the flock, but that's kind of what it is. And you know, everybody tries to say, well, I'll do it if you do. And they look around for like the, what is the rest of the herd going to say or do? And that's why I think most people stay where they stay and like never leave their hometown and never go anywhere. And then you making a decision to say, I'm going to move to Las Vegas. They're making a decision to say, I'm going to go after this career, make a career change. I tell everybody that your life is a recipe and where you are today is based on the recipe of all the decisions you've made up until this point. So if you're not happy with where you are, you literally have to make different decisions or you're going to keep getting the same result. How much of that decision-making process and being able to have that independence and make choices with without getting like the approval of your peers was something that you've always had or is that something that you had to kind of learn over time as you got into life and business yeah that's a great point so when i made the decision i went away to school and and with my group of friends that was like different i went away i went to west virginia and i went there because it, it was like it's an amazing sports state it's not even a town it's a real like <laughs> i just was obsessed with the way the sports culture was there that's where i decided to go. so i think that was the first step for me where i was doing things against the grain i was doing things different and i think i'm just like a natural leader in that perspective where i just do things different where i'll just do it and i'll figure it out and then so that was like the first step of that of just trying something different and then when i went back to long island i just saw that like everybody was doing the same thing same restaurant, same bars, same crew. There wasn't any juice. Like, I, I just need some juice. And so there's no more juice than there is in Vegas. And so when I first got here, I did a few visit runs, and I was just addicted to it. It's just so much fun living out here. I knew immediately it was going to be for me, and I ended up moving my family out here eventually, and it's just been a, a great run. But to answer your question, I, I just... I feel like if if you're too comfortable in one spot, you're never going to excel. And that's what's cool about the city is that there's always new things popping up. There's always new opportunities. There's always people coming to visit, big-time people. And so I, I try to take advantage of that. That's why I love the city so much. That's a really, really good point. You're in, a, you're in probably one of the most unique places in the country as far as you don't have to go other places to experience different cultures 
those cultures are kind of coming to you and forcing you to like take what you want from that and, and, and be open. I think when you're looking for it too, other people kind of stay in their shell. I'm sure even like when I moved to New York City, and then it became like, oh man, I gotta go to the West Side. Like you get like so yeah. ingrained in that one spot. I'm sure Vegas did the same thing. But again, it's what you look for. So the fact that you're looking for those differences and those opportunities in people, I think, is why you keep finding them for sure. It's just it, it's crazy because when I moved here, like the city was nothing like what it was, and it was still amazing. Like there was no sports teams. Like I went to the Raider game on Sunday, and it was out of control. It was nuts. Like it, it, celebrities. Like it's just so much fun. And when I first got here, there was none of that. It was actually during the crash, kind of. I moved here during the crash. I had no idea about real estate. I just moved here. My cousin actually bought a condo in Vegas for 50 grand. And I convinced him. I was like, let's buy this condo. He's like, let's do it. You could go out there and check it out, set it up. Just we'll keep it. And that was like my first dabble in real estate. I had no clue what I was doing. And so when I got out here, I lived in this condo. And... I had no clue what was going on. I didn't, there was like a huge recession in Vegas. Nobody, I had no clue because I was young. I was 21 years old. I was just having a blast being a teacher. And it didn't, it never affected, like it never hit me. It never affected me like what was going on. I just did my thing. I was coaching. I was teaching. And then slowly but surely, I just saw the city kind of like rise up and things just started booming and things were building and sports teams were coming. And I was like, this is crazy that all this is happening. Now, 12 years later, it's like fully blossomed and it's still even going further, which is crazy. So let's talk about that on the real estate side, because you you did move there at a very interesting time. One, I'm interested to see being 21 years old and moving to Vegas. Most of the stories don't end with I started investing and got my life together and moved my family out here. Most of it is like I moved out to Vegas for six months. I, my life just was good for like three weeks and then it was like a, you yeah. know, off the rails and then I had to come back here. So I do like that you had more of a happy ending there because I think people that probably not as much now with like social media that you can see it. But I remember when I first started hearing about you could invest in Las Vegas and the guy that was there, I was like, well, do you live there? He's like, yeah, yeah. I live there and I work in the casino and my wife's a stripper and my kids. do yep. And I was like, yeah. But like, I think people forget that that's not what it is. So was there a culture shock or like, was there, where was the, how did you deal with the temptation of being a young kid in Vegas and keep your stuff straight so you can have the discipline to go after the future instead of looking at what's in front of you in Sin City? That's a great point. So when I moved here, I didn't have any money, right? So I couldn't really go on these lavish runs. I, I had my fair share of fun. A lot of people came and visit and it was fun showing them the city, but I'm I'm pretty direct and dialed. Like I knew that I wanted to be successful and to be successful, you can't go out every night. You can't party. But I did, I would say three years in, it hit me. I was like, okay, like the people here are very different from where we're from. And they're like, I'm not going to find my wife in Las Vegas. <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up dating my, uh, somebody from my hometown and I ended up convincing her to move here. Um, and then I moved my brother here and a, f- a whole bunch of friends. Now we have Alja out here and Marab out here. So we have like a cool Long Island little crew that we hang out with and roll around with because the culture is very different. You know, we're very back in New York. We're very loyal, hardworking, blue collar, hard nosed people. And out here, it's like very temptation of like the easy money or it's scammy money. Nobody wants to put the work in to really they just want to hit the home run right away. And so when I got out here, I just saw a really good opportunity. So I was a teacher. And then the best thing that ever happened to me was I got linked into a lacrosse network. And so I started coaching this lacrosse program. And within that program, there was 200 families. And I don't live on the Strip. So I live in Henderson. So I compare Henderson to Garden City. It's a really nice suburb area, southern part of Las Vegas. And it's its own city. And you don't have to go to the Strip if you don't want to. It's like its own little bubble. It's really nice. The weather's amazing. And so I got involved in that network. And through that network, everything that's happened to me in my life for the past 12 years has been through those lacrosse parents. So they've helped me. They have the 21-year-old kid just kind of move up the ladder. They gave me jobs. They gave me opportunities. And that's how I got into real estate through one of the lacrosse parents. That's awesome, man. And now when you move there, going into real estate, was there any sort of hesitation or doubt or insecurities because of the fact that literally when you move there, the average person is saying, 
real estate's bad right now, run away, run away, run away, especially in Las Vegas was one of the markets that exceeded very high expectations, was overbuilt and cracked yeah. down really hard, which if you're just coming in on a down market, you know, now we know obviously real estate's eventually going to go up, but was the basic same stuff we're hearing today, man. Like you used to hear it on the news all the time. And now it's news and social media, just recession, 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 right. recession. And it makes people think it's a bad time to jump in. But as you and I know, it's actually a great time to create. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I didn't, Nick, I did not know it was bad. I, I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Like, I didn't know. I, I was just like in my own world. So I, I convinced my cousin to buy this condo. He basically bought this condo for me. And I, I went out there and I started living in it. But he was really the he's he's just like very entrepreneurial guy. He's very successful. And he's like, look, we're going to start buying rental properties out there and you're going to find them. You're going to get your license. We're going to find these things and we're going to start buying them and keep them. And so he's really the one who showed me that. And that's what we did. And I never sold any of them. So I started buying. They were 200,000, 250,000. In other words, 700,000. And so I was like, I'm so glad he did that because I would have had no clue how to buy rental properties. And he's always been buy, buy something and keep it long-term, you know, you don't sell it for the quick turnaround money. The real money comes later on. And that's what we did. I love that, man. I just heard uh, A-Rod doing an interview and they asked him what his two biggest regrets in life were. And he said, one, not buying more real estate, two, yep. not selling less real estate. Yep. Uh, yeah, man, grab it and hold it because when you bought it, you bought it when it was on sale. And yeah, if you I did. Hold it through that sale with cash flow. You're in a great spot, man. Great spot. It's, it, it's amazing, man. It's, it's 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 amazing how simple it is too. But granted, I did get I I wouldn't say maybe lucky, but I just hit the right time, which is important. But even if I didn't, like there's some there's some houses I overpaid for, and over the next three or four years, the appreciation of it just continued. But I I think I nailed the location of it. A lot I invest a lot of my properties in Henderson and I think I nailed that market. It wasn't really a huge market. Now it is. A lot of people really from California moving here and trying to um it's just exploded. So I got really lucky in that aspect. But I just saw a good opportunity here. The property taxes are very cheap. Very, very cheap. Like the property tax in my house are like eighteen hundred bucks a year. And so my, you know, my mom's is sixteen thousand a year. And so you're just looking at that, you're like the real estate is like insanely cheap, but now it's like a lot, it's expensive right now. Like the houses are a nice house in Henderson's a million dollars. So I, I've seen it like completely change. It's interesting to see where it's going to go though, because you look back and now you think it's overpriced, but in five or 10 years, you're going to be like, Hey man, remember when you could have gotten this house for a million dollars in Henderson? You know, it's just uh, yep. that crystal ball would be so helpful right now, man. But uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about your market is even when the market was bad and I would be like talking to, to students or to other people, or like I'd be like doing public speaking gigs and everybody would talk about the market crash. And I would say, you know, there's a, a couple of places that are almost market recession resistant in the fact that no matter what's happening, people will always go there. And I always thought of Vegas, especially in that surrounding area, like a cat that'll always land on its feet because if things are really bad, oh my God, my I just lost my job. There was a pandemic, X, Y, and Z. I got a divorce you know, I'm having a really bad month. I'm going to go to Vegas and, and just blow off some steam or like, oh, my house is depreciated. I just want a UFC title. I'm going to Vegas to celebrate. So it was like, things are bad. People go to Vegas. Things are great. People go to Vegas. So yeah. I always felt like there was a good chance of like, at some point, this is going to be okay. And it'll always be okay there because Florida's got Mickey Mouse and Vegas just has that thing about it. Yeah, it does. So I talked to a lot of people who went through this crash. And the reason why they got murdered is they just way overpaid and then they weren't able to sustain these high mortgage payments with these high interest rates. But if you talk to like the real investors here in town who never sold, they were fine. They just rented out their properties and yeah, maybe they didn't get as much rent, but they just rode the wave for that three years right through it. And so the people who got really screwed were people over leveraged. And so the, what I'm learning is you don't, you can't over leverage. You can't refinance your 20 properties and then go buy another 20. So what I do is I keep mine. I don't refi them. I don't burn them really. I have burned a few, but I would say 90% of them I don't burn. And I've just paid down those mortgages so low that if it did crash, it wouldn't affect it because these mortgage payments are just, they're pennies. 
and the rents are just so much higher. They're almost double, triple some of them. And so that's really my strategy. I don't know if it's the right one or not. I'm comfortable with that. And so, yeah, if it does go down, I'm excited if it does, because now we're getting real estate on sale again. And over the past month, I'm really good at hawking deals now. And I'm seeing a crap ton of deals, like just in my inbox, like all over. People are bringing me deals, which did not happen the past two or three wow. years. So I'm I'm getting kind of excited about it. So that's another interesting point to talk about is the financing side of it, because I think, like you said, there was there was a few indicators and things that people got burned on, one of them being the the bad financing that for people listening, remember the liars loans, the ninja loans, no income, no yep. job, no problem. Yeah. They were giving them adjustable rate mortgages and they literally couldn't even afford what the interest only payments were if the interest rate adjusted at all. And then that's when people got killed. And then, like you said, they're over leveraged. So now if they're like, well, I can't afford the payment anymore, I'm going to sell. It's like, well, you can't sell because now you own more than the property's worth. Yep. And just the overbuilding, there was just so much supply. So I like your strategy because I think it all works as long as you're calculated for it. But popping that when you don't need the cash every day, having six or seven totally paid off versus having right. that into 15 or 20 that are like a quarter paid off, like it, it's really six of one, half a dozen of the other, if you will. So I do like that strategy, but what are you using for financing and what types of things are you doing now to hedge your bets when you buy them in case the market does adjust? Great question. So the first thing that we do is I picked my first six, five, six properties, and I whatever cash flow I make on those properties, I pay them down. Because whatever, if the market crashes tomorrow, those six properties that are paid off, it doesn't matter. The, the, there's no bank anymore. So you can, the, nobody can come take those things from you. So you're going to have those hard has, assets in your back, in your corner forever, no matter what. And so that's one strategy that I do. And I, I don't, I never do interest only with anything. Like I, I, that is scary to me. That's when you open up a can of worms. I have friends that have 10, 12 interest only loans on flips or whatever. I'm like, dude, you're, you're playing with the sharks, man. Like if something goes, wrong like a covid or or what's going on now like you're going to get burned and all that work that you did is going to go down the drain so my strategy is i try to buy rental properties at a discount with a nice equity in them and then i will use the cash flow to to pay down the mortgage as fast as possible i love that now how is the up, upgraded interest rates now that they're going up a little bit how is that affecting your buying power or is it balancing out because now you're seeing that sellers are coming down that you can get the deals to kind of work out the difference there by buying it lower to adjust for the interest rate. Yeah. So it's like a catch 22, right? It's like last summer, there were no deals, but the rates were amazing. Now it's flipped. Now the rates are <laughs> higher, but there's a lot of deals. I feel like it's a better spot for me now because I'd rather have the deals. I could work with the deals. I could fluctuate deals. I can do seller finance with deals, which we'll get into, but I just need the deals. If you, you can't do real estate without the deals, like you could have the best rate in the world. I could have a 1%. Hey, I got, I'm approved for 1%, but there's no, there's no real estate to buy. So we're in a market here in Vegas where like the rental market's amazing. Like the people here are just dumb. They're dumb as rocks. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate to say it, but it's true. Like I'm a straight shooter. Like the people are very dumb with their money. Their credit is never good. So if you have a good product, my, my long-term rentals and my short-term rentals, um, they, it's like, it's just so easy. Like people need places to stay. They need people, places to live. And so I've taken advantage of it. Are you getting DSCR loans on these that they're looking at the income and giving you like rates based yeah. on that? I, so I didn't know anything about DSCR, uh, DSCR loans. Right. And I would say two years ago, I got introduced to it. And so for people who don't know, they're basically loans based off rental income. So I use a company called Finance of America, and they will lend you 75% of the value of the home. And then they will compare that to the rental side. So let's say you buy a $300,000 house and your mortgage is $1,500, and you could rent this thing out for $2,500, they'll give you the loan. And so you can do that with also hard money where you're purchasing a property cash. You could buy that $300,000 house cash and then refinance it right away into a DSCR loan. And so I've taken advantage of that because those loans, they're a little bit inflated with their interest rates. Um, so it's a little bit more expensive, but the best part about them is they don't go on your credit. So you could get a hundred of these things 
where a traditional mortgage, you can only get eight. I think you could only have eight in your name or nine, but you could get 200 of these things. And so I built a really good relationship with this, with this company, Finance of America, and it's been a total game changer for me. Are they running the numbers based on the Airbnb cash flow, or are they also using a conservative value for if you can Airbnb, what's the market rent and does it still cash flow? Right. Another great question. So they do they are not a fan of short-term rentals. <laughs> yes. So you're basically with that. Yeah. So you're you're buying it as a long-term rental. They run the comps based on the long-term rental and then you're advertising it as a long-term rental. But then you may make a decision to go the short-term rental round back and forth. So I, I have I have both with them and they're just a great company. They get the job done. And like I had D I have DSCR loans at my rates are 3.9. Oh my God. That's amazing. I know it's nuts. And so now they're more expensive. They're double and it's still okay because you're, as long as the numbers work, that's all real estate is. As long as you're renting it out for more than your mortgage, you will be fine. And you got to make sure that buffer is good because if it's not, and it's only hundred, 200 over, things can change quickly. And that's where I think there are a lot of people get in trouble is they got emotional. They just wanted to buy something so bad. So they didn't arbitrage it the right way. You know, it's right. like, oh, I had it at three, but I can rent it out for three and a half percent. It's like, you don't have any, there's no oops factor in there. But right. There's no meat on the bone. You need some meat on the bone to like yeah. really make it work. So you said something though, that I think is perfect. And to me, this is like the, the common denominator for successful people across the board is, you were like, well, I couldn't get deals last summer, but I found a way to do this. Now I can get this, so I'm finding a way to do that. But I think being solution-based and just looking for opportunities instead of like, oh my God, there's no deal. Because everybody for the last, oh, it's so competitive. There's no deals. There's no right. I was like, well, now there's no, no deals. Well, yeah, but now they were like, everybody has a reason why it's not the right time. But when you've done this for long enough, you know that there's always a way to make money in real estate. But people, I've heard nothing but people complaining about market turns. They go, cool, market turns. So it was harder to get deals and it was easy to sell deals. If the market turns, it'll be harder to get deals. I'm sorry, easier to get deals, harder to sell deals. But how is it any different? Like, well, I want it to be both. So you don't want to do any work. Like some, right. we get value in what we do because we either find products or find people that are willing to take those products off our hands. And you being another MMA guy, I almost explain it like, oh, well, you know, this MMA thing. I fought this guy, but he's really, really good on his feet. So I, I got good on the ground and now they have me find a ground guy. It's like, well, now get better on your feet. Well, I don't right. want to do that. It's like, right. you just find something to balance out the other and you can still win the game, whether it's real estate or whatever. You just have to put the work in and find the opportunity of where is your best chance of winning that fight. Yeah, I, I agree. With, I couldn't. It's like you get punched in the face. Are you going to like go home and cry about it? Or are you going to get <laughs> back in there and throw a punch back? And that's what it is. Like you have to adjust. And, and just like you watch, I love fighting. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm big into it. So like you see that, like they adjust, they adjust their, their strategy. And it's the same way with, with investing. Like you can't just do one thing. So with me, I'm an agent. I wholesale some properties. I flip properties. I run long-term rentals. I run short-term rentals. I do education. Like, and if, if I only did one thing, I see a lot of agents here. They just do their agent. Like they're just an agent. And then if they're slow, like for six months, like that's it. And I'm like, you don't do anything else to like create other income. They're like, why would I do that? Well, I'm, I'm an agent. Like I'm focused. I'm like, dude, you're missing the ball here. Like I just, I just did a, a speaking at one of the biggest brokerages here in, in Vegas. And it's funny, the broker's from Long Island. He's, <laughs> he's, he's from Huntington. Unbelievable dude. Like this guy's a monster. And I, I was like, how many of you guys own a rental property? 80 people. Not one raised their hand. Not one. I'm like, who flips properties? None of them. I'm like, you guys take the deals and you give them to your clients, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why would you take a deal where you can make a half a million dollars and, and not do it yourself? And they were like, dude, their eyes were like, <laughs> like they were like, shit, like he's right. So yeah, you need to have a different, like I call it spider web. Like there's different ways you could go in it. And that's how you, you, you could be successful in this business. It's amazing how many people will talk themselves out of doing real estate for that reason, where they go, well, if it was that great, the real estate agents would be buying this deal. Well, if it was that great, the, the contractor would have bought it. I'm like, you know how many people I send in to tell me and verify that it's a great deal? And I pay them a couple of hundred bucks and I make 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000. You know what I mean? <laughs> They'll just, some people will never just make that shift. And it's just, it's right there for you. 
Like I'm yeah. relying on these people to tell me like they know exactly what they're looking at, but they'll never make that switch because people don't want the risk, man. That's the biggest thing. They get comfortable. I was just reading this book, dude. It's so great. I'm going to send you a copy actually, but it's called The Mountain is the Way. Oh no, You Are the Mountain is what it's called. You're the, okay. It's all about self-sabotage. And it's literally, it talks about how your mind and your body, as much as you go, I want to be financially free. I want to get into real estate. Your core chemicals are designed to not look for what you want, but what they know. So it's constantly mm. going to keep pulling you back towards like, I know there's money here and I want that, but the easy thing is to have somebody like Jason pay me a couple hundred bucks to go make sure he can make a hundred thousand. It's just, it's kind of a crazy thing that most people won't fight out of. You know what, you know, the line I use all the time. Remember when Matt Sarah was uh, on Ultimate Fighter and he was, he said the line. I know exactly you're, what you're, you're say. He, he, <laughs> he said the line. He's like, you're like a swimmer who never got in the pool. Okay. I use that all the time. It's one of my favorite lines. And that is the best line for real estate. I'm like, dude, you're like a swimmer who never got in the pool. Like, you got to get in the pool if you want. I think he said to Mark Lehman. Yeah, 100%. Right. Mark Lehman. So I use that all the time because he's so right. Like, you have to get in the pool to swim. You can't sit in the stands and, and think that, like, you're in the game. That's just not the way it works. So I use that all the time, do it agents or just invest like, hey, I want to get into real estate. I'm like, all right, well, get in the freaking pool. They're like, well, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm doing. Dude, just do, just get, just get in the pool. Like start talking to people, buy a house. Like that's how you get in the pool, buy something. Like you can't get started in this if you're not going to buy a property. And so, I don't know. It's just, I love that line. I use it all the time. Perfect, man. You know, it's, it's one of those things that people, you're trying to find a way to do this with no risk. And there's just never anything you're going to do that's great in life that you're going to find zero risk, you know? So if you want more, you have to take those risks. And, you know, on that topic, I'm interested to see where you transition to Airbnb. Like what was the catalyst there to make you really start to become that? So for people who are listening, I mean, that that's at this point, what you're most well-known for in your market is being one of the yeah. biggest Airbnb investors in the surrounding Las Vegas area. So talk a little bit about that transition. So we, I was obsessed with long-term rentals, right? And in my brokerage, it's kind of an old school brokerage and property management is big here in my brokerage. And so one of our property managers and agents, he's probably our biggest agent. He was showing me, he's like, look, I know you like long-term rentals. We do short-term rentals here. And I always had the stigma in the back. I heard like the laws were very hard here, but this guy figured it out. He, he knew all the laws, how to get licenses on the properties, had to figure all that out. And he showed me. And once you show me something, uh, I go all in. Like, it's like, let's go. Like, bring the troops. Let's go. We're going to war. And so I bought as many as I could in a very two years. And then I built the biggest one in Vegas. And so it was just, a, it's an, there was a big market for it. A lot of people were running these properties either illegally or they weren't nice properties. And so I was like, okay, if I can buy these rentals, make them nice, and I have a lot of people coming to visit. There was a big demand for them. There still is. And so I was like, look, we're going to make three times what we would make on a regular rental on a short-term rental. Let's do it. And so we built out this whole big vacation home portfolio, which is really cool. So do you bring in, you bring in financial partners to invest with you on these? Sometimes. It, it's funny. Like I, I'm, I suck at construction. <laughs> That's the one thing that scares me more than anything, because one, you cannot trust anybody in the city. Like I wouldn't trust somebody to walk my dog down the block <laughs> and come back. Like it's just very different, dude. Like where I live, people are very scammy and they're all full of shit. And so when I got into this, I was like, I could really make some really cool Airbnb properties, but I don't know the, how to do the construction. I don't know who to hire. So I part, I ended up partnering with two guys, Andre Laska and Tyler Hubs, and they are unbelievable with construction. And so I was like, look, I'm going to find the deal. I'm just going to hand you off the house. You're going to remodel it. And then you're going to give it back to me. And I'm going to manage this thing. And I'm going to just run the business. And that's what I did. And so I found two guys who are unbelievable. They've been great partners. Um, so I, I partnered with them on a bunch of properties and it's been great. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, 2020 is coming to an end. Let's start 2021 off on a good note by getting you into some real estate, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, 
Whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. What does that structure and split look like? We, I, I usually always do everything 50-50. So there's no fighting. I've never had a problem with a real estate investment deal um, because I think it's very important. You lay the groundwork super upfront. Like if, if this thing's a hundred grand, you're putting 50, I'm putting in 50. That's it. And so I've only done partnerships like that. I know some people like, well, I find the deal. You put up all the money and then I'm going to do it. I, I, don't, I don't really do that. Fair enough. Keeps it clean. Yep. That's clean all. and simple. So as far as looking at the stuff, I know you said about licenses and things, and I was recently looking for one in Florida, and I was very surprised because my my concern was everybody's looking for an Airbnb in Florida. So at what point is there so much saturation that now yeah. we're all dropping our prices to be competitive? And then I started seeing that there was actually really strong restrictions on which subdivisions you can do it in, and you can only do them. There's only a certain amount that are allowed within a 10-mile radius of that because they still want to have some inventory for the people that live there. But then you see, like, I think Hawaii just completely, uh, you know, so th there's always things. And and it seems to be very different state by state, county by county, municipality by municipality. So what does that process look to look at starting in Vegas? But overall, if somebody else is looking for an out-of-state thing, where would you suggest they go to check on what the actual restrictions and regulations are? So I think restrictions are a good thing, because if you have restrictions, that means that it's not a free for all. And it's not going to be oversaturated. So the city of Henderson did a cool, I had a cool idea. And they said, if you put a license on your property, no other property in a thousand square foot radius could put another one. And so that limits their, their space out. And so in the entire city of Henderson, there's around 340 of them, which is not a lot. And there's 12,000 illegal ones in like the Las Vegas area. So those are going to be cut down very soon. And so I feel like those are going to prosper. But to answer your question, you want to look for markets that aren't saturated. Florida is super saturated. Like if you go on Airbnb and like look at one in Jacksonville by the beach, there's like 700 on one street. It's like, dude, like it's going to be tough. But I'm looking into like Midwest markets where there's not really a lot of rules and it's not saturated. So Kansas City is one that I have one in. Mississippi, uh, Gulfport, Mississippi is another one. And they're just so much easier. There's, there's not... A, any like BS with the city busting your chops and it's just a lot easier, but the money doesn't compare to the ones in Vegas because Vegas is like the number one attraction tourist town in the world. And so the, we can charge crazy amounts of money, but those other ones do very well. So where's the sweet spot then where you're looking at something and a shout out to your mutual friend, James Krause. I know he was one of the biggest there. Yeah. At least some of his earth for a little while. He's been on a couple of times. The guy's, guy's a stud. He's but awesome. I, it's funny. He, he he and I talk. Um, We talk often. We have a mutual friend, Tim Elliott, that's a oh, fighter, cool. and he's my client. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, so James is awesome. James understands, like, what this business is, and he understands that, like, fighting isn't forever, and that's what I'm trying to teach. Like, my friends, like, Al gets it. You know, like he's like, I'm not fighting somebody for to get my head kicked in for fifty thousand dollars. Like it's just not worth it. And so he's very smart. Now I'm trying to teach these other guys, like, look, take your money and park it in real estate. And Aljo did an amazing job. So Al Aljo house house hacks. So we bought him a uh, he bought himself a really nice property, had a great time, and he rents out the rooms to other fighters, and he gets his mortgage paid for every single month. And he's like, this is so easy. I'm like, dude, I know keep doing it let's do another one and marab does the same thing it's funny they live three houses away from each other yeah they, they actually called me they were like there's a house across the street for sale buy it and i, I thought about it for a minute then they bring it up again but i was like i should get something right over there like i'll be like yo my managers are my buddies who will kick your ass if you don't pay your mortgage you dude your i know it's it's fun i'll tell a funny story so when marab was we were buying we were uh i was representing marab to buy his house and the seller tried to back out of the deal like like very like out of contract, like they were, they knew they were doing something wrong. 
And I was like, do you know who my client is? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, no. I'm like, Google his name. <laughs> like, well, he's buying this house. <laughs> and th there was no, there was no pushback after that. Yeah, with or without your permission, the machine is going to be living. The machine, in the house. right? The machine is behind <laughs> this house, and it's it it's so fun because having him here and having Aljo here because they're like the best guys ever. And when we go out, we just have so much fun. And Aljo's the champ, and it's just like it's fun to support him and and both of them actually. And like it, we just have a cool little group of friends that like he he gets the. I get taken to the apex and I get to watch all these fights and he introduces me to more fighters that become clients. So it's, it's just a, it's just a great thing overall. So let, let's touch on that too. I was going to hit that a little bit more at the end, but now we're on that topic. Shout out to Marab and to Aljo, the champ. Yeah. Got a fight coming up and uh, obviously raging ally. Akinta, who's another real estate fighter guy, all time legend. Um, but I've been talking to them about real estate for a long time. And then I know Aljo moved out to Vegas, but Al Iaquinta has always been a guy who kind of got it and it's cool. So talk a little bit about how those like friendships kind of formed and it's been awesome. Cause I, I see you popping up sitting next to him and, you know, hanging out at the apex and like living that whole experience, which looks like, like, dude, just like the, the dream life out there, like hang yeah. out real estate, go check out the fights, like, you know, hang out with you. And just for people who watch that, like not only are those guys inspirational, successful fighters and entrepreneurs, but they're really good dudes. Like so the you best, will find man. three more solid guys in the two hours in Barrow, man. They're the best. All right. So the I used to work for CompuBox and CompuStrike when I was 19, 20 years old. And every and so what what that is, it's a company that does does all the statistics for fighting. And so I was trained. I I, I would go to the fights. And it's funny, none of the people that worked with me like to travel, but I love to travel. So I went to every strike force event. We worked and a million HBO fights and whatever. So I would travel all over and I started becoming friends with all these fighters, Ryan LaFlair, Al, Volante, all these guys. And it was great because I would watch them fight and then I would show them their statistics. And it was just like a cool thing. I would hang out with them. And then over time, I became very close with Al. Al when Al came out here for the ultimate fighter, when he was living out here, I was here. I just moved here. So all of his friends came out, we became friendly, and then obviously a huge fan of him, support him, and just always watch him fight, go to his fights. And then Al's been awesome networking me in with more fighters that want to move to Vegas. And so he he introduced me to Aljamain, which led to Marab and all these guys. And now all these other fighters, even Mick Maynard, like uh -huh. sends me messages all the time. He's like, Can you help me with my Airbnb? I'm like, dude, no problem. And so now it's cool. I get to represent professional athletes who are, I agree, the nicest guys in the world. Um, and it's like more of kind of like coaching them on financial advice too, right? Because their financial setup is very hard. In my opinion, it's hard to give somebody a one lump sum of money once a year, maybe twice a year, and then say, hey, you have to survive off this for, for, I mean, Marab, he didn't fight for like a full year. So I'm like, like, I don't know if I would be able to do that. And these guys, they don't have any, like, help. And so I've been trying to, like, just brainstorm with them different ideas of kind of how to manage your money, of what I do, how I do it. And they bought real estate just like I do, and it's been great for them. It's interesting because uh, a couple of things I hadn't thought of. One of them, uh, Ray Longo, shout out to him, man, one of the, the best guys yep. out there. He said something about, uh, we, I think we were talking about some, like, Kim Marino and some of the guys I had on the podcast. And he was saying it's almost like when they watch guys like Aljo on TV, and I mean, he's the champ now, so it's a little bit of an exception at this point, but they assume like, oh, I see Ryan LaFerla on TV. I see John Vellante on TV. They're multimillionaires because they're on right. TV. And they don't realize that that's, that's not the case unless you're at like the top, top part of that. They took away a lot of the sponsorship, but also a guy like Al goes in there and gets injured. He might be out right. for a year, maybe two years, and he's not getting paid that whole time. And like, I think people forget like, Unless you have the hit movie, if you're not showing up on other TV shows, those actors aren't getting like these guys aren't getting residuals every time fight no. their fights and stuff. So it does become one of those things. And one of the one of the reasons that I've heard that athletes love stuff like one of my friends is a ton of land and he's like, people are so bored by land, he's like, but it's so safe the way that I invest in it. And it appeals to a lot of people who do things like fighting and professional sports because they do something that's very exciting. 
and you almost want to invest in the opposite mm. of your lifestyle. You know yep. what I mean? And I was like, that is kind of true. He's like, so guys that are fighters, they have like such a, like a high, high, like crazy high adrenaline, like nutty thousand mile an hour lifestyle there. Don't plant your finances the same way, right, like right. offset that to your lifestyle. And I always thought that was really smart. You know, it's fun. Yeah, you nailed it. And so I became very close with Ryan LaFlair and he was, he was on this real estate game. I would say before I even moved to Vegas, like he is smart. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's very entrepreneurial. He owns a crap ton of businesses. He just gets his ideas and he's like a guy that gets it done. So I saw him do it and he owns a crap ton of properties all over, all over the, all over the map. And so I was like, dude, like, he just got it. He was like, I'm not, I'm not going to fight forever and I'm just going to invest my money. Right. And he did. And now he's like retired. Like he doesn't need to work anymore. And so I saw that and I was like, all right, well, if he's doing it like, but, but I'm going to do it. But what I don't understand is we'll bring up Al, like, like other fighters make fun of Al for being an agent. I'm like, these are the dumbest people in the world yeah. that you're going to make fun of or, or kind of degrade somebody because they're, doing the smarter thing than you are and so you see it all the time like always be like oh i was a real estate agent he's not a real fighter i'm like dude you just not getting it man but he he gets it and he's do, he's doing very well for himself and he's making the right decision like i'm not going into a cage and fighting somebody for 40 50 dollars and getting hurt and then then my money runs out and i can't do anything the rest of with the rest of my life well, I think people that go against the grain, they deal with that because the pack mentality tries to break them back in. But then two, three, four years later, they're all looking at him for help. You know, same type of thing. Like you shut off to Vegas. I'm sure people that were like, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then it's like, hey, man, I see you're out there killing the real estate. Can you help me? So, I mean, those are the guys that get stuff done. It's it's making those changes where people might be like, oh, I always got his real estate license. But three, four, five years when they go look at all the equity he has and the properties that he'll <laughs> not getting and like worrying about you know, Dana White and wearing the rock shoes and all those things. Like those are the guys that are doing the absolute smartest possible thing you can. Dude, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm just trying to get more fighters involved in it. Like I, I can, I know what I'm doing is the right thing. And, and I know what I'm teaching is the right thing. And so that's kind of why I released my course where I, I was like, this is a great way for people to learn how to invest in real estate. And I was just getting so many phone calls. I'm like, how, to, how do you do this? And so I'm like, I'm just going to put this out there. And I'm going to, this is a full system, a full course of how to buy rental properties, buy short-term rentals. And so when I released it, I was like, all right, it's going to be more people who are new, which is fine. Like people have never done this before, but it's kind of been the opposite. It's been like real investor, like more seasoned investors, I'll say, or more agents that want to learn how to do it. And so I've been teaching them. It's been awesome. I love that, man. So talk about that. So the one-to-many concept I love because if you got on the phone with every single person who wanted to talk to you about how to help them, your whole day would be gone. So I love the right. fact that putting it in one place so they can go and access it and take some responsibility and do some work. So what was it like making the course? Because I've always found that teaching and explaining things keeps me way more sharp because you start to get questions back and think about what people are asked. So I'd love to hear the process of what it was like creating that course. And then obviously talk about how do people find it? What kind of stuff can they get? Like what would be the benefits of it and how do they acquire it? So uh, I think it just came with the coaching. Like I coach all day with lacrosse. And so it just comes second, second nature to me that I could just teach somebody how to do it because I do it. And so I think with coaching, like you see these people on Instagram, like they're so full of crap. Like you got to, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk too. And so people see that they say, okay, this guy's actually buying these things and doing them and they're successful. So now I'm comfortable teaching it. And so somebody gave me an idea to do it. And they were like, dude, create the course. You're getting a hundred phone calls a day. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'll be honest with you. It was very difficult. It, was, it took me eight months, you know, dealing with production and filming and writing it out. Uh, that's not my strong point of writing. It's basically you're writing a book and then you're, talking through the content and so I, I did it i released it it's been a process where it's like i thought it was going to like take off and like i was going to sell a million copies in the first week but that's not how it is you actually have it's a business you have to sell it you have to go and speak uh that's what i do now i go and speak to different brokerages which is amazing i'm so thankful that i get to do that and teach other people connect with other people um but 
so that's where it kind of came apart. But I do think that the people who want to get involved in real estate, I can really teach them the right way to do it. And I'm that I'm very confident in now. And so I've been just helping just random people. It's it's crazy. People just message me from all over and like, I saw your video. I want to learn how to do it. Can I take your course? And then can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. But you, I use the course as like to step into the pool. Like if you're serious, buy the course. You know, it, it's going to cost money, but you like I put a ton of time and, and money behind it. So that is like the first step. If you want to get involved by the course, watch it. And then we could have a conversation of what to do next. I love that because that was something that I dealt with a lot is people said, well, can you just answer this question? It's like, but I already sent that to you. Yeah, but I don't want to check. <laughs> they, you don't want to like respect the time where they just keep coming back to you with the same exact question. It's like, man, we just had this conversation 10 times. Like, I'm not going to keep picking up the phone. So people do have to show a little bit of initiative and they do have to show that they're worth you know, putting some time into by putting some time into themselves. And I think so many people, they don't want to do that. So I, I like that you do have a barrier to entry of show me you're serious, because that's what people in real estate are going to do. You know, I went to my civil engineer to get our land development done. And he was like, dude, I get calls like this every day, show up, right. go to civil engineer, come up with something to show me that you're somewhat serious and like, take some time to show that you actually care about this project. And he was like, nobody's ever done that. You're the first person in five years. So it is, it's crazy, you know, but that but little dude, bit it's so I, here's my, here's my, uh, example i am like over 12 with people trying to like mentor them and so and all i say is dude go get your real estate license that's all you need to do like just go get your real estate license and that'll show me that you're serious it's 400 bucks take the test pass it and then come back and we'll get to work over 12 people just don't get it man they just they they're they're not willing to take two steps back to go five steps forward you're making them paint the fence, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I'm like, like what? Well, give me an example from like your experience. Like, have you mentored anybody? Has oh. it, have you had the same, same kind of thing? Tons, tons of people. And it, it's, you know, one of my, my uh, mentors, Mark Evans, he, he started setting a, a boundary of like, you had to make X amount of money or do X amount of deals before he would even mentor you because he was like, it's so much easier to mentor somebody who is doing 10 deals a month than the people that haven't done any because you get so much less excuses. You get, and, and it's it's interesting because all of the new investors, they just want the checklist. Just tell me how to do it. Just tell me how to make money. And then all the seasons guys, they want to talk about habits and mindset and processes. And the new guys go, well, I don't want that. And then you wind up getting them in the game. And then 90% of my calls with new investors, it's emotional phone calls. It's, it's, there, you got to talk them off the ledge, the wife, the this, yeah. the stress. And I'm like, I thought the mindset wasn't important. I thought none of this stuff, ma I right. gave you the checklist. That's all you needed. So that type of stuff I think is, it's huge. It's like everybody, I always give the example of people walk into the gym and they go, I have 400 street fights. I want to be a UFC fighter. And they walk into match gym and they're like, give me the biggest guy in the gym. Give me Weidman or Volante. And they go, well, why don't you start with like Nick or Marab? And then yeah. I want the big guys. We'll start with the small guy. And then their ego takes a check and they walk out the door the people that come back and they get a beating and they go, that sucked, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. That yep. sucked. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And they go through that after your blue belt, less people are going to quit purple belt, less people are going to quit brown. But I feel like it's the same thing with real estate. Like that first deal, that first year, that first belt, that first promotion, everybody has this expectation in their head and they're very unrealistic and unaware of where they actually stand and what they actually are capable of. And then that switches over time. But when things get hard, people get lazy, people make excuses and they quit. And I, I've just, I found that to be 99% of people is when something isn't easy anymore, they give up. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. I use the analogy, like you got to put the seed in the ground, water it a little every day. And I think your jujitsu analogy is like, do you know Eric Ott? Uh, do you know Eric Ott? He's a mortgage guy in Long Island. He's Ryan's business no. partner, but he's a fighter too. Anyway, so he... He's, he's very successful also. And he, uh, he, he said that he's like, when I first got into jujitsu, like I got my ass kicked, but it's like, I want to get better. So I went back and I went back and the same thing it, it, in business where not every day is a good day. Like you're going to lose, you're going to take some L's to get the win. And it's just like how you respond, how you keep going. Yeah. I, I, when I talk about Aljo, I, I loved his shirts that he used to have that said, it's what I do when no one's watching. 
Because I would say, look, you guys see him, you know, he's trying out for the, I think he was at the time he was going out for like Fast and the Furious 8 or something like that. You know, he's taking pictures with celebrities and stuff. I was like, it's not about that fight that he won that belt. It was every round, every training session, every yep. meal, every push-up, every choice, every decision, like those hours of waking up early, missing holidays, like eating chicken instead of Big Macs. Like it's all of those things that wound up to here. Like people see you being one of the biggest Airbnb guys. That wasn't because you just went and, bought a bunch of Airbnbs out of nowhere, you had training, like mental training, physical training, sacrifice, dedication, right. and discipline to get to that point that other people just want what you have, but they don't want to do what you've done. Yeah. I think Aljo is one of the most amazing humans I've ever met in my whole life. Like, so I met him uh, three years ago. Like I, I've known him for a while, but like I, I became close to him about three years ago and the roller coaster ride this dude's been yeah. on, right? For three freaking years, like, there's no person that could go through something like that. Like, to to train and to get to the top and then have what happened to him happen to him and then get the heat on top of it and, like, the fuel into the fire of him going and then he wins. He wins the belt the way he wanted to win it. It's just, like, he's just such a professional. Like, I look up to him so much. I'm like, this guy is just so... And he doesn't have this big, crazy team, right? He gets up. I, I watch him. Like, he gets up by himself. He doesn't have anybody like, hey, we got to go train out. He does it on his own. And, like, all these younger guys I watch, like, he trains them of how to do this. And have you ever watched a fight with him? Um, I'm sure I have over the years. Okay. You, you should – I would highly recommend go to a fight with him live because – I'm watching a fight. I go to a lot of fights with him. He's coaching both guys. He's going to be one of the best coaches <laughs> in, in the sport. Well, he's coached me before, and he's been very helpful. Like, when dude, I'm like, sessions and stuff. He was my main uh, sparring partner in the Golden Gloves before he got called for the UFC. And he's bringing one thing, just, you know, touching on Aljo, he brought one of his friends down, and I was boxing with one of his friends, and he was coaching, again, both of us from the side. But one thing I kept hearing him say, he kept saying, you get better, I get better. You get better, I get better. And I was like, that's a leader right yep. there. He, he's unbelievable. I'm like, dude, who are you rooting for? He's like, oh, I'm just coaching both of them. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I can do that. And he, like with the wrestling, he just knows. So it's like, it's like an encyclopedia of knowledge when you're watching a fight with him. And I'm just obsessed with it because I'm like, like, what is he doing? And he's like happy to, he's like, he needs to move. He needs to back out. He needs to like grab his ankle. He needs to drive. He needs to pull back. And it's like so cool. And it's funny, the fighters that are fighting, like they're listening to him over like their <laughs> So it's, I would highly recommend you go to a fight with him, man. It's awesome. I even like the way, I mean, his, his breakdown, shout out, check out the weekly scraps with uh, Aljamain Sterling. Yep, yep. When he's he does awesome, these man. deep dives into the fights, man, he, he's got just a great eye for it. He's, he's always awesome. He's the best. I, I watched all his breakdowns. It's funny. I'm like, Aljo, who do you think's going to win, man? Like, you know, I, lo I love to bet on the fight sometimes. And he just he just gets it, man. He He's just a smart dude. It's awesome, man. I like that. Well, dude, you've been excellent with your time. A couple of things before we kind of wrap up. I like to go over the victory lap and ask some some wrapping up questions here. One of the first ones being, do you have a favorite book? My favorite? You know what one of my favorite books is? Okay. Street Justice by Chuck Zito. I love that book. I read that. Okay. <laughs> now you now it's not a motivational educational book. Okay. It's not, but that's my, one of my favorite books. Here's why that guy is like, his story is nuts. Right. But what I learned from that book is like, take no shit from anybody, no matter what, take no shit. It's my way or the highway. And I'm, I got, to, I got to meet that guy. And it's like, he was like my top five, like uh, people, celebrities I want to meet. And I was just like, this guy is scary. Like, he's a scary <laughs> fucking guy. Like, President of Hell's Angels. But I, that's my favorite book, uh, Street Justice by Chuck Zito. Man, that, I heard they were making it into a TV show. I don't know if they ever They need to do something. Like, that guy needs to be on TV more. He's just freaking, he's like a, he's like a real life Tony Soprano. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and you look at him, you're like, dude, get out of this guy's way. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's funny, not a lot of people know who he is. And so when I, people ask me that question, but my the favorite book, I always say that. Yeah, he's always been so I met him a few times at the fights and stuff like that. And he's always been really nice. I actually asked him to come on my podcast and he didn't say no, but he said he doesn't do Zoom interviews. He only does in person. So I was oh, like, Oh, okay. I noted. I might hit you. All up. right, Chuck, whatever you want, man. Yeah, you tell me. 
but I get it because he's like, in case you say something stupid, I want to be able to hit you in the mouth. <laughs> like, ah. oh, is that what he said? No, no, I'm just thinking like, like oh, I don't know you. You want to come on my show? You're going to have to talk, which I, a guy like that, I totally get. You know, it's funny. Al told me a story. He said that he was going, he went on a podcast and the guy was being like a little lippy and he didn't like it. And so he just zapped the interview right then and there just got up and left. I quit that? Yeah. Oh, that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, he said the guy was being a jerk to him. And I was like, did you like crack him? And he's like, he's like, dude, I was very close. I was like, these people on the internet, man, like they just don't get it. That's a guy too that I, I think there's a, there, there's fighters and there's athletes. And although I acquaint this both, he's one of those guys where people think like, I could say whatever I want to him because he's not going to hit me. Like, no, no. you're going to very much regret that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I know. I Like, it, it's funny because like I've, like I've interviewed a few people and I'm like, if I ever like overstep the boundary, it's just something like inappropriate to this person. Like, it's so wrong. Like, you know, they're, they're live, you're on like a video and it would look so bad for them if they got mad, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Raging is the best. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. Shout out to him. And we got to get the freaking, uh, call me out podcast back on, man. That was fun. I know. I know. I, I was on, I went on with him. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to do a little something with us uh, for the real estate because what he's got going on is awesome too. Nice man, that's awesome. What is one of your favorite quotes? Why compete when you can dominate? And that's from my uh, that's from Corey Goodwin, who is a mentor of mine. He trains a lot of the UFC fighters out here uh, with strength and conditioning. He trains Misha Tate, uh, but he trained my lacrosse team. He would say that all the time. Why, if you're going to do this, why not be the best? So why compete when you could dominate? I love that. It's my favorite one. I never heard that before. That's the first one on here, but that's a good one. Yeah. He said, he says it all the time. I, I was like, I, we got to get some t-shirts with that. It's just, it just, it's so true. Like if you're going to do something, go all the way and be the best at it. I love bring your A game, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Bring your A game. Love it. <laughs> so another thing is being that you've coached now, real estate investors, kids in kindergarten, you were a teacher and then like an athlete with the lacrosse and stuff. What is something you see as like a common trait or principle to those that kind of rise to the top? I think just showing up and giving a hundred percent. And you know, what's funny, what I see now coaching, I coach youth is there's not too many kids who are willing to do that. Every year it, it gets less and less where that's the abnorm where like, it's not cool to come every sprint and first, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. kids kind of get picked on and I'm like this kid is giving his all-out effort to be the best that he could possibly be and it's kind of heated on would you agree like it's it's like that in sports like you see it you see it a lot like with LeBron James he's the best the guy does nothing wrong he gets crushed on social media in the news I'm like what are we doing here but that answer your question yeah that would be it well, it sets the bar that people can now look around and everybody's made this like upfront contract that they can all be lazy and they don't have to really put the effort in. And I think when somebody, again, that pack mentality, well, if he goes and he does it, then the coaches are going to expect all of us to do it. And we don't want to do that. So let's shit on him for, you know, putting the effort in because now they're going to, they're going to make those tides rise and you're going to show up, man. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in that. You know, it's, you can't walk into a gym like that. And that's one of the things I've always liked about jujitsu and, and Matt Ceremony, Ray Longo's gym my brother was a musician. I remember he said one day, I wish that my musician friends celebrated each other's victories and success the way my jujitsu and MMA guys do, because I walk in there and, and some kid starts kicking my ass. I'm like, oh yeah, I've been slacking off every day. And he's in here twice a day, six days a week for, you know, six months. He deserves that. Good for you. You know what I mean? Instead of like, Hey man, don't train so much. Cause that means I'm going to have to train more. Right. I wanna, you know, it's like, it's, it's just opposite. So it's not I necessarily say, what you know, but who you know, you know? You know, it's funny. I bring that up. I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, if you watch Aljo and his team, how they operate as a team and in a supportive way, like it's very difficult if Aljo is not fighting for him to wake up at 5 a.m. to help his friend, Marab, for his fight. That doesn't happen in a lot of sports. And if I were to put that into my coaching realm of what I do, coaching, it, it would not happen. Not one kid would wake up in the morning to help their teammate. It, it just wouldn't happen. It's like against everything. Well, well, why would I help him? Like, I'm concerned about me. And so that's why I think the MMA sport is so cool because those guys, they understand that I'm helping him because he's going to help me later on. 
And so that I, I've witnessed that a lot with them living here. And it's so cool to see. And I use examples of that in my coaching all the time. I'm like, these guys are real teammates. And then the people are like, well, they're going to go fight. We want them to fight. I'm like, dude, they live next door to each other <laughs> every day. Like, you want these guys to fight? It's crazy. No, nah, it's good stuff, man. So in, uh, in closing here, dude, this has been great. But what kind of stuff? How can people find you? How can we bring you value? How can people work with you, contact you, talk all the courses, all the things, Jason Griggs? So the best way is find me on Instagram, Jay Griggs Real Estate, J-G-R-I-G-G-S Real Estate. And then my course link is winwithairbnb.com. That's awesome, man. This has been excellent, dude. It's long overdue. It's really nice. Yeah, to man. Nick, you're the best, dude. Thanks, man. I've been following your stuff. I've been watching your stuff and hear nothing but great things about you. Likewise, Any man. Final thoughts before we let you go today, sir. Dude, uh, I just appreciate it. And let's get you out to Vegas. I know we missed each other that one, but let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. I mean, man, I was actually supposed to be there last week, but things got a little little crossed over, but it's definitely on my list to go there. And you, sir, bring your A-game to everything you do. This interview is no different. Thank you for bringing your A-game to ourselves and our audience. Have a great day, Mr. Jason Griggs. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon, buddy. Have a great day, man. You still watch this,